Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Treehouse, episode 42, Waving Fields of Alfalfa. With Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. And a very good morning to everybody. Here we go again. Another three hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. And there's pressing business. Uh, and I said this at the beginning of every show. And then and then, then plow ahead to disprove the theory. But there is pressing business because something I meant to ask you on the last show, which Ooh. set uh, people who are not on Twitter, uh, that you wouldn't know it was set on its ear by something Pep said the other day. Uh, and, and it's a question that a lot of people have been in touch to say, well, don't leave us on the edge of our seats. Uh, how, how are the pairs rightening pairs? <laughs> hit on something that the nation, it's the last taboo. We're kicking this one over. We're raising awareness because, explain there, Peps. I bought a, a bag of pears probably two and a half weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I put forth the opinion on Twitter that perhaps by the end of lockdown, they would be ripe and ready to eat. <laughs> um, I gave in yesterday and had one that felt a little uh, bit squishy at the top mm. because I wanted to be fancy and have a blue cheese and pear salad. Very good. Um, and uh, about halfway down the pear, realised my error as the knife. It, 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 this is why. This is why immediately people started writing newspaper columns and questions asked in Parliament. Uh, and it's the first thing to knock the uh, coronavirus off the front pages because pears have been getting. They didn't use pears. Used to be a reliable, steadfast old friend. There you are, pear, and you'd sink your teeth in. Some juice would emerge, and it is one of the great flavours of nature. But not anymore. Not anymore. You've got more chance of picking up your avocado and, and getting straight into that than you. <laughs> Whoa, hang on. And they are related, of course. But pears simply don't ripen anymore. They remain as hard as marble and they taste like potatoes. And something <laughs> has happened that to that. Your brer pear used to be a beautiful thing. But when you said that, the whole nation said, that's right. That's right. I've tried the yellow ones with a bit of red on, the ones that are brown and green, uh, the different the shapes of a new conference. What it, and I know you're thinking, well, this is, you're overreacting here, but I'm not. It, it's uh, it's not like the 5G thing where I'm going to organise protests. Uh, but what on earth has happened to Brea Pear? You can't yeah. pick up a pear and just eat it. You're going to lay your teeth into it, but you lose your teeth, uh, and your pears are the, the nation's... No, they are our bellwether for lockdown. It, it's, it, it, it may be uh, it's replaced the tomato as the most treacherous fruit, and here immediately, and the show starts any second now, everyone, uh, it may, uh, we want people to get in touch with, um, don't talk to me about fruit, because uh, the, the banana skin for years carried all, did all the heavy lifting, 
It did it, on behind, it took a, it took a bullet for the rest of the fruits, saying it was the most treacherous. Your banana skin, you know, literally it, that was it. Until people got in touch and said, no, it's discarded tomatoes is the thing that people, oh, people fall over on. This is what people go over on, but other fruits may have their dark side as well. So the dark side of the fruit is probably what we should have called the show. We uh, but your pears, we're going to keep an eager eye. Don't chuck them away. No, 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 no. I'll leave them there until as until many go brown. Say, you miss until you miss twenty that, seconds in that, which they rot. Exactly. That, that you miss that is that little cusp, that little moment. But uh, you pick uh, so, it up from the fruit bowl, and underneath it's the brown. With those white speckles sipping it, it, underneath. As I say, a pear is, is it once inevitably. Uh, I asked on the air uh, for what is the, the, the best fruit, and of course, all civilized people agree it's not necessarily the best. But the the, uh, the original fruit is the apple, and it is all fruits deviate from that. The apple is the mean fruit. Everything else, and I don't care what you're talking about here, even uh, even uh, sugar pineapple chunks deviate originally from apples and that's all good but something's happened and by the way and i promise you this is that we will get we've got so many great emails uh by the way um not only did i look up an a to z of fruits and i can do that for us on another show <laughs> when we're slow literally i can do an a to z uh it's, it's quite fun because you think okay d uh, it's another ones the ones when you can't sleep at night it is it, it is the, it is and i'll bring in that fruit another time but while i was thinking about uh <clears throat> the treacherous uh, fruits and that and i thought well the one that really apart from the um uh, banana the other one that gets all the uh all, all the heat and all the oldest the, the the snake eyes looking at it is your coconut because uh, I, I think uh, I remembered someone saying never mind about shark attacks more people are killed by coconuts falling on their heads every year <laughs> I know I know so uh, and and this is the last thing that we're underway the uh, I looked it up I looked up uh, death by coconut I'd put there right and I don't want to make light of death by coconut. Let me put that another way. I'm going to make light of death by coconut. And Wikipedia's page on it, it's the most learned uh, dissertation you've ever read. There's actually a page, death by coconut, and it breaks it all down. And apparently it's a lot of hooey. It's a lot of oh. hooey. Yeah. Uh, only five or six people every year get uh, uh, eaten by sharks. Say, oh, OK, I thought you could say only five or six people die by coconuts, because that's well, a pretty high number for a... The, very last, uh, the, the very last recorded uh, uh, one was in 2013 in, in Sri Lanka, and uh, a coconut fell on a fella's head, and that was that. Uh, which is, it, it is difficult not to, um, uh, to raise a small smile here, but I'll, I'm just... Uh, we'll put uh, hopefully a little regal music behind this pomp and circumstance. Uh, and this is just some excerpts from uh, Wikipedia's entry, Death by Coconut. Following the, a 1984 study on injuries due to falling coconuts... <laughs> an extensive study. <laughs> you go to university, you get your degrees, you write your papers. What you doing, Mum? I'm, uh, I'm doing a, a study into de- injury by falling coconuts. Anyway, it exaggerated claims, spreading concerns about the numbers of deaths by falling coconuts. Falling coconuts, according to urban legend, kill people every year. This legend has gained momentum. Uh, after the 2002 work of a noted expert in shark attacks characterized it by saying falling coconuts kill 150 people every year.
year. This statistic is not is not true. Uh, in Queensland, Australia, one removed coconut trees. Uh, removed in Queensland, Australia, they removed coconut trees from the beaches because uh, one newspaper said they were the killer fruit. Now, this is not true. In, in December 1923, in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, a man was killed trying to crack open a coconut with the butt end of his loaded revolver. Well. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's Darwinism, isn't it? <laughs> it is a little of that. One of the most unusual variations occurred in India in the 1930s, perhaps. Newspapers across the world reported that a schoolboy in India had been killed by a magic or enchanted coconut. In an effort to determine what had taken place in the classroom, a teacher found uh, a book had been stolen and said that he brought into school a namam, or religious symbol, painted on a coconut. He told every pupil to touch it, and the one who refused to would get the divine wrath of the coconut. One student did resist, but he was forced to touch it, and he contracted a high fever, fell into delirium, and died within the hour. Now, how about that? Don't talk to me about bananas after hearing that. Had he stolen the book? <laughs> it, well, yeah. I mean, that's it's it's like in the old days when you know you know you you uh, the ducking it stool. I, it worked. Apparently, it worked. Last couple of things. In 1956, the city of Miami paid three hundred dollars to a woman after a coconut fell from a city-owned tree and struck her on the foot. In justifying the award, the attorney explained that the city should have noticed because a reasonable person would assume that when it turns brown, it is about to fall, and it's the it's the council's job to take them down. So, plenty there, plenty. I mean, you cannot fell on my foot. I think I think that was manna from heaven. Well, you say that uh, in Florida, they do have the signs up, these kind of uh, little drawings showing uh, a coconut falling on someone's head. But it's a myth that they kill hundreds of people every year. And it's, a, it's a very, very painful thing, I'm sure. Keith Richards, didn't Keith Richards have a coconut fall on him or fell out of a coconut tree? Oh. One of the two. He was hospitalised. Uh, but the point is, perhaps we, we can't keep talking about coconuts all morning. I'm trying to move on. Uh, but the fact is, uh, your pears are now the eyes, the nation turns its lonely eyes to your pears. Unless people want to get as in touch. Say, as it were. As it were. Uh, unless people want to get in touch and say, don't talk to me about pears. I've got a more treacherous fruit for you. What are we doing today, Peps? We had... Oh, hold on. Yeah, that's very authentic, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what have you buried incorporating treasure maps. Number two, are you a bit psychic? Number three, it happened while swimming. Mm-hmm. And number four, the most ridiculous question you've ever had to ask. Beauts on that. And thank you for all your correspondence going right the way back there. This is show 42, I believe. Right the way back, all the subjects remain open. So uh, you don't even have to paraphrase it with, I know this is an old subject. They're all vital and new. Give us something over there, Peps. Uh, this is from Nick in Suffolk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, uh, I recall recently something to do with accidentally getting wet. This story I present to you is, in, I realise in hindsight, both anecdote and unintended confessional. Mm-hmm. And it revolves around not getting myself wet, but purposefully wetting someone else. That was the topic, I think. Uh-huh. I live in Suffolk, just west of the middle of nowhere, and my mum and dad had come to see us. For some reason, I had to visit the nearest town to get some provisions, and at a T-junction, turned right... And as I drove over a small bridge, I I spotted a camera perched on the brick wall of the bridge and a man lurking a few feet away. I thought he was taking photos on a timer or with a remote and thought no more of it. Half an hour later on my return, I recalled the camera and noticed neither it or the owner were in sight. However, as I turned left, I saw the man again. This time, his camera was set up on a car bonnet 20 yards further up, and this man in his 30s was standing by an enormous puddle. He waved at me as if in dire need. 
I stopped to pull in. Excuse me, would you mind driving through this puddle and soaking me? <laughs> I'm sorry, I said. I want someone to drive through this puddle and soak me. No mention was made of the camera, but I assume you wanted a picture of this tsunami. I didn't inquire why. You want me to drive through this puddle and soak you, I asked, realising I should obtain proper confirmation and consent. Yes, quite fast, please. What followed was around half a second of thought where I rationalised to myself that A, he seemed very keen, B, very few people would agree to do it, and C, when was I likely to get the chance to ever do this again? Absolutely. After all, I'd never seen him before, never would again. You sure? I asked. He nodded. So I released the brake, drove 100 yards up the road, turned the car and approached the puddle with what I thought was the appropriate amount of brio. I struck the puddle and water erupted and over the man. I used the T-junction as a turning circle, came back and the man was duly absolutely drenched in muddy water. He was delighted. Thanks, he said, cheerily waved and I drove off, eager to tell my family. When I told them, they were appalled and said I'd got involved with something that was some sort of hitherto unknown perversion. I was a bit deflated and realised then what a thoroughly odd endeavour I had engaged in. It only struck him then. <laughs> life is for living and puddles are for splashing. If someone wants to intercept their life with my puddles, who am I to question it? Man, I mean, uh, that's another subject. Don't talk to me about puddles. But surely, it, it, it seems a little... It's some uh, sort of YouTube, Instagram... It, it, probably, but it seems a little type, curious not to have said, why do you want me to do this? Yes, why? Not... You want me to do this? Yes. Not... Why, why would you want me to do it? I mean, it's a, a wonderful boon. I now consider every journey I make to the supermarket bereft unless somebody says, excuse me, you wouldn't mind, but... And it, my, my mind turned to an insurance scam there. I thought maybe he's looking to, yeah, uh, and he gets the number plate and says you did that or whatever. But it's a tremendous story, but a little incurious about correspondent not to have said, could, could, I, could I ask you why that is? Uh, speaking of kind of incurious, uh, and this is... um. Well, I won't give the subject away, sir, but it, it, this is uh, from our friend Paul. I used to run an opticians. One day, this dishevelled bloke with an unkempt beard wandered in and started to look at the particularly expensive frames. He looked over them for quite a while, taking several pairs into his hands before looking about the shop and then back to the frames. I sensed something was up and I gave one of my staff the universal forked fingers sign at the eyes before swiveling them towards this shifty individual, indicating we had ourselves a shoplifter, everyone, and my eagle eyes were on him, don't worry about that. After a while, he actually brought the selection of specs to the counter and asked how long would they take to be all made up. Still wary, my assistant indulged him and started to take the order. I read him myself in case he made a sudden run for the door. Oh, can I take a name, please, said my colleague. Yes, um, Eric Clapton, he said. Dear God, so it was. <laughs> shifty old Eric Clapton. Shifty, shifty old tramp. <laughs> How about that? Oh, take a name. Uh, yeah, Eric Clapton. <laughs> oh. And so, yeah, sure enough, it was. But he, but he did go, I mean, I, I don't know if this is during Eric's celebrated heroin years, but he did start to look a little uh, a little exploded. Uh, <laughs> I put, I put um, a picture of uh, Simon Crow, who used to be in Linda's farm. He's passed on oh, that time in, yes, in, in, in 1971. And nobody can believe he's 23 in that photo. He looks just... Well, he looks like the more dissolute older brother of Michael Palin when he used to crawl up the beach in Python and go, It's... <laughs>
<laughs> Something else from you, Peps. What you got? Well, this is uh, from Vince, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in because we're recording this on uh, the anniversary of VE Day. And yes, it's, we are. It's 1952, so it's just after war, but it's uh, it involves the Navy. So, um, and as Vince says, we're just shoehorning this one in. He says, "I'm shoehorning this tale into your carefully crafted topics, but I have recently found out about Great Uncle Alphonse." In 1952, Alphonse decided he needs to spread his wings, fly the nest and leave southeast London for a life of adventure. His chosen route out of suburban monotony was to join the Navy. His father was delighted that this hitherto feckless son was serving his country in a selfless manner, but his mother was slightly less pleased and given that she was somewhat risk-averse, took some convincing. Unbeknown to Alphonse, mother and father negotiated behind the scenes and he found it unusual that his father had won the day and with a beaming smile convened a family meeting and they all sat around the dining room table. Alphonse was told later that month he would be allowed to enlist. However, there was one significant caveat. Alphonse agreed to whatever plan his mother would insist upon without seeking the details. He went out to see friends and when returned hours later, he went upstairs to his room to find neither hide nor hair of his belongings. Confused, he came downstairs, sought out his mother and asked what was going on. He was taken by the hand to the front room where, crammed in amongst the furniture, was his bed and chest of drawers. His mother explained that to acclimatise him to a life on the sea, this change of location was the first of the two-stage plan. (laughs) Being no stranger to his mother's idiosyncratic ways and not wishing her to give any reason to change her mind about the call-up, he simply smiled and took himself to bed. Later that night, Alphonse was woken by part two of his mother's plan. As he lay there, he heard a tremendous crash against the lounge window. He pulled back the curtains and there in his ha- her housecoat was his mother, We're surrounded by a number of buckets, which she was throwing against the window no. to replicate waves against Paul. No. Nonsense, can't be. Every night for three weeks, his mother did this. Satisfied she'd prepared him for a life at sea, they waved him off. Alphonse did indeed have a long and enjoyable career at sea, but did suffer regularly with seasickness. (laughs) He didn't tell his mother about this, though. Until the day she passed, she was convinced that this preparation had formed the basis of his life on the ocean Well, you see, a lot of people may raise an eyebrow at saying, saying, is that for real? Of course it is. You make make that up. Would Vince lie? And over the years, when I used to do How Nuts Is Your Mum on uh, Mother's Day, some of the ones we had on that, uh, somebody's uh, mother, when they were children, it was a very hot day. She loaded them into the car and drove about uh, 800 yards to the nearby multi-storey car park, drove to the top of it, and then drove down at quite high speed down the curling ramp that took them down with the windows open to cool everyone down. <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and then they went back in there and she spent half an hour saying, it's lovely, isn't it? You're getting all that breeze. Another woman, trying to, um, uh, son still at, uh, I think, two and a half with breastfeeding. So she drew a monster on one of her boobs. Uh, yes, she did. Yes, to try and... <laughs> you think he's over she, it yet? She drew, she drew a monster on the... Anyway, uh, so these are all of a piece. Another um, woman, when it snowed, put uh, snowballs in the freezer so they could have them in the summer. And now, it, that it, is a great that's idea. That's a lovely idea. That is a beautiful, beautiful idea. That is idea. top mumming. By the way, when I was looking earlier on at... Um, uh, the mysterious world of the coconut uh, and, and, and how many people do or don't die from coconuts falling on their head every year. Uh, uh, looked at, in, in passing, uh, Basil. Looked, uh, Basil is, is pretty, you know, uh, ubiquitous now. None of us. And impossible to keep alive, yes. Uh, impossible to keep alive, yes, it is. Uh, uh, most of them are. But I didn't realise that Basil uh, was uh, out of India and in ancient India it was sacred 
literally huh? sacred. They believe it was the disguised form of Lakshmi, the wife of the god Vishnu. That's what that's it. And then and, and then the the the, the uh, uh, Greeks brought it back from Persia, and even they thought it was sacred. And when I read this, I've got to tell you, the pen fell from my hand. The Greeks brought it from Persia. They called it Basilicon, which is why we have basil, which means royal. Only kings were permitted to cut basil, and then only with golden scissors. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's where I'm going wrong with my little <laughs> pot from the supermarket. Yes, and that's something. Golden scissors, and only a king may cut it. No, that forms a cube, doesn't it? You know, you're making yourself a you're making yourself a bolognese. Do us a favour, go and see King Xerxes and ask him if you can get the golden scissors. I mean, that's rationing get it. Get a out. good bit. A good bit. That's rationing it out. Uh, okay, here's one just before the break. Now, um, we did ask, are you a little bit psychic? And I, I love these tales, and I, I love them particularly because everyone gets in touch and immediately does a huge disclaimer, which, <laughs> which is longer than the usual tale. I, I'm not, I'm no flake, I'm no lunatic, but I like these tales. Anyway, uh, such a, a, a story comes to us from Mick, and you know, with a change of music to take us into the fourth dimension. Uh, here we go. A few years back, my daughter Carly went to see a clairvoyant. Like you, I had no interest in such poppycock. There were quite a few people there, and the woman on the stage said she had a Margaret. Margaret's here, trying to contact Carly. Is it Carly? She insisted she didn't know a Margaret to her friend. I don't know any. I don't know any Margaret. Have you? Have you? Have you? Uh, uh, is there? Is there Carly? Put her hand up. Didn't know any Margaret and tried to leave it there, but the woman was very insistent. You do. You do not. And she drew her a picture. She gave her the picture and said she still didn't recognise her and left it there. And the performance moved on. She brought the drawing home. I recognised it immediately as my grandmother. <gasps> who died in 1961. Carly had never met her or even seen a picture of her. She didn't even know her real name, which we always called her Nanny Mag. When I showed her the picture, well, I've attached it and he has. And it really does look like it. It might not work on a podcast, he says, but I thought this was quite spooky. I still don't have any trouble in it. But I do have trouble explaining that story. Good afternoon to you both, he says. But that's you know, I'm sure, I'm sure anyone in the old racket would say, yeah, yeah. What he's done is, but to do a drawing. But poor old, poor old Margaret. There she was, her great granddaughter's ready. I know, and she Thank was you for a message. Nah. The only time, in the I'm only time, in, for what's it? In this quack and charlatan's career, she really did get a message from beyond. The only time, the the, the old fraud that thought, would have been oh. a hit moment. And she drew, did a, and we've got the picture, the picture and the drawing, and they do look extraordinarily similar. Now I don't know. We're going to leave that there uh, because it's you know yes. Probably uh, it may have been massaged over the years. We don't know. But but Mick has provided both the drawing oh. and the photograph. And Carly never even knew her great-grandmother. Didn't know her. We're going to take an advert and we'll be back with more hoopla. Also from something else. Mel Gedroich is quilting. Listen to Mel and good friend Andy Bush as they learn a great new skill and tell some brilliant stories all whilst having some good, wholesome fun. In a nutshell, I took a pair of scissors and I went into my husband's wardrobe. Now, this comes from a shirt that I bought him that I know he doesn't like. So I'm testing him by... (laughs) Uh, uh, This is brilliant. Yeah, by finding out 
when he discovers Amazing. that the shirt has got a big patch out of the back of it. Wow. And which area of the shirt is this taken from? Bottom right. Okay. <laughs> Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show, radiating out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession. On the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. Hello, everyone. This is Dan. I'm speaking to you after this week's broadcast was recorded. What you're about to hear is the Golden Shot vinyl game we've been doing for about the last six weeks. Well, this week's one was such a fiasco that I'm making it the last ever Golden Shot vinyl game. It was tough enough physically for me, but this week I've actually probably got to go to hospital after it. It doesn't work physically or mentally. Hannah did her best, or let me put that another way. Hannah wasn't very good at it, and I nearly died recording it. So we'll return you now to the show as we recorded it for the heavily edited and final Golden Shot vinyl game. I apologize in advance. And here we are again. Don't take a lot to bring us back. Uh, earlier on, I said uh, I compiled an A to Z of fruits there, Pep. Uh, <laughs> and, and I said, you know... It, it, for, it's, it's now been rumbling in the back of my mind. I'm going, well, what, what about D? If I said D, what's your fruit for D? Damson. See, I was oh, straight well, in on that. Oh, well done, OK. Uh, e I'm uh, struggling with. E? I'll tell you what I've got here. Now, um, uh, yes, I, I looked up. Uh, when I say I compiled it, I cut and pasted it from the internet. Uh, uh, and you can have it enter whack an evergreen huckleberry, an mm. egg fruit, or your elderberry. Ah, elderberry, yeah, I, your elderberry. Will, I will allow, yes. Uh, but uh, people may want to play along at home instead of listening to the show as we compile our A to Z of fruit. Now, we're coming to uh, the tradition on Saturday. The new game uh, I'm coming up with for Tuesdays, and then the Sausage Shambles game returns as soon as we can figure out how to get the uh, Postmaster General, Sir Gerald Nabarro, to allow us to have two more phone lines. Uh, but now we're going to play the vinyl um, golden shot. Uh, and it's a, a good friend, Hannah, who has been a previous caller. And Hannah works for Record Collector magazine, so she has possibly more than most, a keen interest in this. Good morning, <laughs> Hannah. Good morning. Oh, no, you've really set me up there. <laughs> well, it, 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 let's face it it, 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 it barely exists as a game. It doesn't matter. But uh, you, <laughs> you do work uh, for Record Collector. And I don't know if you've heard any of the others of these. I try to be as accurate as possible, according to Record Collector and a little outfit called Discogs, uh, how much the records are, are worth that people choose. Uh, and and, and, I, and I, I bet you're quietly confident, aren't you? Um, I hope so. My only problem is, is that when I get put on the spot, my mind goes blank. But I, I've hopefully got some knowledge tucked away somewhere. I, rem I, I, remind, I remind you, Hannah, all you're doing is directing my finger. That is very true. <laughs> <laughs> there is very little skill. This, this makes the... I don't uh, know. I foresee some bartering over value, though. <laughs> Maybe that. But it, 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 this makes the, you know, look, uh, the, the three darts in playing cards look like the brains trust. But uh, uh, just rem remind us again, uh, uh, Hannah, who, who are your musical uh, tastes? Where, where, where do they lie? Uh, where do they lie? Um, Patty Smith is one of my favourites. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know what? Again, my brain has just gone blank. Um, girl group. Wasn't it? Was it when, when didn't you have like obscure Korean girl bands? Or yeah, something? I did. Was that your passion? 
cool. Yeah, I do. Um, I do like to collect um, Singaporean female singers, so that's one of my that that's it. one of my areas yeah. of interest. Well, um, know, yeah, I, I prefer niche things. <laughs> <laughs> Those shells are groaning with Singaporean girl groups. <laughs> did you did, did you hear the caller on the previous show who um, had no idea records were worth anything until he heard this ridiculous game? No, I didn't it, hear that. Like, on the last one, oh, no, seriously, he got in touch and um, uh, he, he said when his dad passed away, him and his uh, boy had to go around and clear the house out. Oh, and he no. said, I hear you saying records are worth £100. And oh, it, it, every time you say it, it's like a kick in the stomach because we took dad's collection of all the 60s and 70s, immaculate condition, and skipped the lot. Uh, and he said, uh, and, I, and he put in there who his favourite bands were. And oh, it was every, uh, was it every uh, Pink uh, Floyd uh, album, everything. wasn't it? And, 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 oh, uh, no. Uh, were the first two Pink Floyd albums in immaculate condition, first pressings, and I had to inform him that just one of those is worth three and a half thousand pounds. I on know. Its own I was, was going to say, what well, I just sort of go, oh, don't worry about it. It's, it's not worth anything. Just when no, they don't, don't have the heartbreak. No, but no, I... no, it wasn't. I, I, I outlined every single price that he took. <laughs> so he chucked away about, by the sound of it, about fifteen to twenty thousand pounds worth of records. Oh, <laughs> Although I when I get invited I... around, it's always nothing. It's always like Are these shawadi wadi singles worth anything, oh. and I'm like, no. <laughs> No, but, no, yeah. I know. Uh, uh, <laughs> at the moment, I've got a friend who keeps, you know, everyone's trying to make ends meet, and he keeps sending me photographs. But of Beatles records, well, yeah, there's a yeah. huge market, but a copy of She Loves You, good luck with that. You know? yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, we, we are drifting into a, a redundant chit-chat. Here we go to play the game. What I'm going to do, I sit here in my record room, now known as the Submarine. Uh, I'm surrounded by 11,000 albums and about 6,000 singles. I shall just point at the shelves. The shelves are seven uh, layers high. And uh, Hannah will direct my finger to two LPs and one single. We will add up the value of those records uh, at the end. At the moment, Christine is in front. Uh, she's got uh, 355 pounds in three records and just behind in 330. Fellas are useless at this. Pressure's on you now, <laughs> Hannah. Uh, <laughs> The gender superiority. Uh, forgive all the rumbling and bumbling, but I lift the microphone up. Otherwise, uh, we're just going to be stuck with the uh, uh, S to Zs. So I'm pointing straight at the albums. Where you go, Hannah? S to Z, you say? Um, no, 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 no. You've got the whole show. Right, yeah, okay. Shows. You can left, right, up, or down. I'm going to start with up, I think. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. Right. right. You can't go any further than that. <laughs> Hannah, I'm in a most extraordinary position. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to have to stop. It looks like give it looks like a Nazi salute. Could you please uh, either move me left or right or up or down? Um, up again, please. <laughs> you can't, I can't go any further up. I'll be <laughs> in the front room. My hand will come through the floor like that cover of a Jerry Garcia album. Uh, uh, so we can't go. To the left, okay. Now, now we're talking. Oh, to the left. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hannah, Hannah, do you have something against me? This is so good. It's on fire at some point. Enjoy, right? Oh, I can't do it. Oh, man. Right, oh, no, I nearly went. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm begging you. Give me some instruction. <laughs> if my wife opens the door to this room now, she is going to think I've joined a cult. The way I am, uh, up, down, left, or right? Um, let's go back right then, because I'm hoping that's less dangerous. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. All right, we're still on the top shelf. I'm too busy thinking about the Jack Garcia album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Stop. Anna, you're by some distance the worst player of this game. I, know, so I told you, my brain is awful. Okay. Can I say stop at any point? I feel like that. You can say stop. Say fire time. at some point. At some point, fire. you say fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. sighs> Uh, you know, an ambulance. I used to laugh about half an hour, uh, but it never <laughs> physically exhausted me like this. But here we go. All right, it's in fire, and you're on the top shelf. I actually can't even see what this is. A minute. Oh God. Hold on. If you could see what I see. Okay. Well, oh no, I'm so sorry, Peps. <laughs> My gut is level with the camera on the mic. Okay. Well, for the second week running. It's a uh, oh Danny, Danny Kelly I think did a no he he, he did a anyway so it's Burning Spears album on Studio One. Okay. I'm thinking I don't know about this. He Dan, uh, Danny will tell us immediately whether this is a repress. I'm gonna I think this is a hundred pound album. I okay. think it is. It's their first album. I think on Studio One. I think is it's a hundred pound album. Is the cover not the good. the deal breaker? <laughs> Is that correct? No, no, it's just, it's just the value of them. Now, we're going to do that again. Come back, everyone. We're going to do that again. Uh, <laughs> but up, down, left, right, as quick as you like, and then fire. Go. Let's just go. Let, can you still go higher? Let's go up and fire, and then you don't have to No, we can't crap. go any further. We cannot. Okay, down and fire. No. I'm so sorry. Oh, you, you go down or left or right. Okay, here we go. All right. Down, mm -hmm. left, and then fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You see why I'm not allowed oh, to read maps for could, people? Yeah, put some Wellington boot into it. It makes the whole thing sound pointless. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going down. Uh, yeah. All right, left now, please. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, uh, left, 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 yeah. Down again. And then oh, fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well done. Well done. Ah, now, this is tricky. Oh, okay. Okay, this will get you 75 quid. This is a first pressing of Led Zeppelin's Presence album. Okay, uh, yeah. Boss cover, yes, it is in a perfect mint condition. I think that's a 75 quid record uh, in that condition. You've got you're doing good, it's 175 pounds. <laughs> uh, may have to upgrade, I don't know how, but if 175 <laughs> we're going into the singles, don't forget left, right, up, right. down, and boom. Okay, now singles. Um... <laughs> see, I don't know whether you saw them by label or genre, but I'm gonna say it doesn't right. Really... You can't see. I'm standing with my know, finger pointing out. I know. The problem is my brain is just sort of ima imagining records. I'm getting so distracted. I'm forgetting well, to say anything. I, I know. <laughs> I knew. I knew. I, when Phil said uh, Hannah from Record Collector, I thought this is going to get. This is going to alienate everyone. We're going to start I'm, talking. About I'm so anyway. sorry. Right. Here we go. I'm pointing at the okay. middle rack. Off right. Up, please, and then right, uh -huh. and right again, and then fire. <laughs> oh, the end, almost the end. Oh, and this is, it's uh, um, it's Frank Zappa's uh, Baby Snake single. Oh. Uh, uh, on, yeah, it's, yeah, so I'm thinking that's only, ooh, Dancing Fool on the other side. I think that's only a £15 record. Oh, so that yeah. brings your total to 190 Uh It depends, that Burning Spear one, I'm going to have to look that up. We may have to get in, uh, in touch here. <laughs> but Hannah, bless you, thank you very, very much indeed for playing along with it. I'm so uh, sorry. <laughs> No, 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 not at all. There is no, there's very little skill involved in it. All it was. Is, is that makes it feel worse. 
it, no, I, I, honestly, it's just un, under my armpits. I don't know what tendonitis is, but I think I've, I've just torn several of them. Uh, and if you could have seen what, and I do apologize to Louise Pepper as well, because I forget there's a camera in the laptop I've got here and she must have seen my, my guts just hanging over the keyboard, hanging over it while, while Hannah was saying, mm, I think we'll just do some toast while we play this. <laughs> Hannah, bless you. And, 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 and how's uh, things at your end? How's record director doing? Um, as I believe, I'm actually, um, I've gone freelance. So yeah, hence why oh, well, clearly oh. the music knowledge has just slipped out my ears. But um, but yeah, but I believe it. I believe it. Well, I know everything's going well because well, my partner still works there. So I, I just go in and check. Oh, but, cool. um, and, 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 uh, and, and I believe we're going to do something on this record room as soon as the world yeah, turns again. We are indeed. Lights yeah. go on again all over the world. <laughs> Bless you, Hannah. Uh, always good to uh, hear Thank from you. Thank you for having me. What did you, te- what did you tell us about before? You, ran- you got in touch with the show when we spoke to you on the phone, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, um, about my uh, embarrassing incident when my brother tricked me about um, face value. Oh, yes. Yes, how many faces on the album? Yeah. yeah indeed. Well, Hannah, thank you very much indeed. I can't say you're anywhere near the top of the leaderboard. 190, I think you got. 190. It yeah, puts you about fifth down. place. But believe me, it, 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 yeah, it, uh, I think you may have invested too much in the game. I know, I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> you soon, Hannah. Thank you very thank much. Thank you for having me. Have Hannah. a good day. Bye. I am literally out of breath. I am literally out of breath. You, you Will I do it? You saw the contortions I was having to do then, didn't you? I did. Uh, I th- is your mic the wrong way around? It might be, yeah. No, it's not. Oh, okay. It's just a little fur. It's just me huffing and puffing. I'm sitting back in the. I'm sitting back in the chair. Like I've, I mean, this is a tiny, not a tiny room, but there's so little space here. I think she drifted off. I do. I do. So a little reverie. When Hannah just said up, yeah. And I'm going up, up, and then uh, I don't know what to do next. And she didn't even, she didn't even say fire. You saw the position I was in. I was like Eros. I was standing here like Eros on one leg. Uh, <laughs> and she just left me hanging. I'm sure she, I'm sure her husband's got something against her, a partner, and just said, ring up, get him to go in the most absurd position, and just let him hang there. Uh, give us some sake of over there, Pep. This is from Andy. What have you slept through? A couple of years ago, when my wife was 39 weeks pregnant with our second daughter, we went to bed with usual, exhausted by parenting and drifted off. We were woken by the police six hours later. What happened in the meantime? Well, some scallywags were going down our road, trying all the doors to see if anyone had left them unlocked. Unlucky for us, we had left our front door completely unlocked. Luckily, they didn't try the front door. Unluckily, they tried the side door, which we had also left open. (laughs) Said three blokes came through our house, took both sets of keys for our car, walking past our particularly dense golden retriever, who also slept through all this, or perhaps greeted them with a wagging tail, walked all the way through our house again, (laughs) back to the side door, got in the car, drove it to the end of our street, where a passing police car got a call to go in the opposite direction and did a U-turn. This freaked out the thieves thinking the police were onto them. So they leapt out of our car and back into the car they had come in and sped away. (laughs) 
the police, seeing a car speeding off for no reason, started chasing. They got to the local dual carriageway and went on it the wrong way. The police not being able to chase in this instant and not wanting to leave our car, some neighbours went and turned our car off, which had been sat in the middle of the road with the doors open and lights on for half an hour. Alive. The neighbours tried to wake us, but we were resolutely asleep. They left a note and the keys through our unlocked front door. The speeding car has now on the dual carriageway, has now got back onto the dual carriageway the wrong way again, coming back for our car. Coming off the junction, they crashed into a lamppost, scarped on foot and police dogs were sent after them, but they got into another waiting car. Meanwhile, the police came to ours with a couple of cars out the front with all their lights on. We are still asleep. Eventually, the police enter our house through the unlocked side door. Again, nobody thought to try the unlocked front door. <laughs> Calling up the stairs to explain their police and why they are in our house, my heavily pregnant, panicked wife sent me down in my pants where the police said, perhaps you might want to put some clothes on and we'll explain what has happened. <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't induce labour and, of course, we still had the car, but I wish we'd seen it unfold. There was plenty of detail there, but people who are in the land of nod throughout the fiasco. Plenty of detail. Uh, this is uh, um, uh, from Richard. And this is, have you ever inadvertently injured a parent, Peps? Oh, uh, lovely. You may be envious to hear that when I was a lad, my mum and dad were publicans. Oh. I lived in several pubs over the years, but this story relates to a pub we ran in Essex called The Moat. Oh. It wasn't the most salubrious of establishments, so the brewery decided that this pub could be updated into a crab and oyster house, specialising in seafood. We had a chef and everything. It was handy to have my Saturday job at the place I lived. So one Saturday morning, after I bottled up behind the bar, I headed over to the kitchen to uh, assist. One of my tasks was to, to skin the place ready for cooking. Well, it's not a difficult job, but it did require a certain level of skill. Basically, you work a sharp knife under the skin near the tail, take a firm grip on the fish, and then give a sharp tug, and the skin would come cleanly away with a satisfying, wet, ripping noise. I was just about to perform this one morning when my mother appeared to my side to ask me something. Momentarily startled, my grip on the fish was not as strong as it could be, and with some force, it sailed into a clean arc in the air to deposit itself squarely in my mum's face. She was not injured, but tremendously shocked. And I can state that the sound of a fish slapping someone in the face sounds exactly what you might think the sound of a fish slapping someone in the face should. Yours from Richard. That's a beautiful bit of slapstick. (laughs) (laughs) A full fish in the mum's face. Uh, Something else from you. From Sharon, who may possibly have have the title for our next episode here. At the age of 59 and three quarters, along with the old man, we're dwelling on the next stage of life, retirement, number, growing number of grandchildren, etc. Mm-hmm. As we mused over the future one Saturday afternoon, one of my favourite films came on, Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. Husband was in the kitchen pottering, pops his head round the kitchen door and observes Gene Wilder. Oh, it's him. Oh, it's him in um, um, Blazing Salads. <laughs> <laughs> I will perhaps open a greengrocer's in this future and call it Blazing Salads. Blazing Salads. Salads. That sounds like the, uh, uh, it does sound like the, we've done uh, the themed menus before, maybe the Beatles one and everything else. A Mel Brooks themed restaurant should be called Blazing Salads. This is from uh, Doug. 
this is uh, the last uh, about three shows ago. Uh, we were talking about the fellow who um, uh, uh, popped a, a Ribena carton that was laying on the floor. Oh yes, thinking it was empty. He just wanted to hear the satisfying pop, and of course it was full. And uh, all the rest of the customer, all the rest of the people queuing at the bus shelter got Ribena. So, uh, but this is from Doug on the back of that. A few years ago, shortly after the attack on Glasgow Airport, made the tabloid headlines for being foiled by a passerby delivering a boot to the attacker's rear end, I was waiting for a flight out of the same airport. Anticipating security would be stricter than usual, I arrived well ahead of time, checked in my bag, and, su- unsu- and surprisingly sailed straight through security. This left me with a fair few hours to kill before I was due to fly, so I decided to head for the bar. I ordered my drink, put my headphones on, opened my book, and was very content. When I ordered my second drink, I felt a little peckish, so I ordered a bag of crisps. This is when things took a dramatic turn. As I finished my crisps, whether through muscle memory or the relaxed state of a couple of drinks, or perhaps sheer stupidity, I blew up the empty crisp packet and popped it with my hand. Without thinking, uh, I didn't really hear very much. I had headphones on, but I knew it had been a satisfying pop. I continued reading, then became aware of a commotion going on around me. I looked up and I heard to realise that the crisp packet pop wasn't nearly as quiet and civilised as I'd heard through my headphones and had startled several people around me, as well as attracting disapproving scowls from two armed police officers. One of the very elderly ladies to my left gave me a very Captain Mannering, you stupid boy, before another chap in the vicinity said, you scared the shirt off of me. At least <laughs> that's what I think he said. I had headphones on, remember. I slunk back to my seat and kept my head down until the flight was called. When I left, the old ladies were still scowling at me. I had learned a lesson. Now, I've got to say, Doug, just after a terrorist outrage is not the time to sit in an airport <laughs> in the lounge and go... <laughs> Imagine how people must have jumped all the way to oh. Aberdeen. Thank you very much indeed, Doug. Sunk from you, Peps. Uh, this is from Andy. Peculiar names. Mm-hmm. I heard on your podcast a week or two back the name of a certain Mr. Raspberry. Oh, yes. D'Artagnan yes. Raspberry. D'Artagnan Raspberry. He was an American driver or something. He was on the news. D'Artagnan Raspberry. This reminded me when I used to check the travel documentation of outward bound passengers on flying on a major airline. One such passenger, being a very serious American businessman in suit and tie, was Edwin Raspberry III. Ooh. He must have come from a long line of raspberries and made me wonder if family get togethers were called punnets. <gasps> During this time, <laughs> I met a Mexican lady called Marijuana. Oh, no, no. Juana. DorothyCom.com. And there was a British lady called Wanda Finch. I naturally began the conversation saying, aha. A finch called Wanda, <laughs> which was met with such stony silence and look of total incomprehension. It led me to believe that no one had ever said this to before. After an awkward couple of seconds, she got on the plane, never to be seen by me again. I, I, I didn't anticipate a finch called Wanda, there, to be fair. That's, that's, that's pretty smart. I, think that, I was going to say, that's pretty that clever That is pretty stuff. smart thinking. Now, uh, here's the thing. Uh, uh, to, I did mean to start with this, but I, I got way laid into... Um, uh, the, the mysterious world of coconuts and how they can uh, make criminals fess up. I think that's what happened, although the, the, the culprit did die within 24 hours in a fever. Uh, but uh, uh, today, uh, in, in my book, I've noticed, and I don't know if I ever did this on Five Live with uh, you, Peps, but you know there's a, a sort of tinnitus that people can hear 
you know, there's uh, it's a very rare sort of tinnitus, and it's the anniversary of this story. Uh, I'll, I'll read you just the, the, the what we finished, uh, because I don't know if anyone has any other examples like this. Uh, a noise, a bit like an amplifier feedback, had been heard for three years, coming from the right ear of a Welsh pony called Misty. <laughs> It varied in intensity, but it stayed at a constant pitch of seven kilohertz. Hearing a buzzing in one's own ears is subjective tinnitus, very much rarer than other people can hear the noise, a, con a condition called objective tinnitus, the cause of which is still a matter of debate. Imagine that. You're standing there and you're not, and, and as you walk past someone, their ear sounds like a not quite tuned in radio. Now, I don't know whether, and I suffer, for, uh, suffer, I put up with it. I've got the old uh, constant ringing in the ears. Oh, no. no. I have. Um, and nothing to do with rock music. This is the only legacy from when I had cancer 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, no. I, Yeah, and I get used to that. But uh, I think I'd prefer it if I actually, uh, everyone else could hear it, and I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it would make broadcasting hard, hearing a whistling coming at your ear. <laughs> but, uh, but it was the anniversary of, of, that, of that incident when the uh, donkey was diagnosed with uh, objective tinnitus. So I, I, I needed to bring us that before the anniversary passed. Thank quick you got, and we're finished. Uh, this is from, uh, oh no, oh no, I think we've done all that one. Hang on. Oh, let's do this one, this quick one from Martin. I'm not psychic, but I had a dog that I think may have been. Bert the dog was our Springer Spaniel, and my daily chore was walking him in my teens, and somehow he knew when it was time for a walk. I'm not saying it was when I went for the lead, it would mean I would be sitting on the sofa and think, I'll take Bert out now. And as I moved, Bert got excited and moved to the jump, to jump to the coat rack where the lead was hanging. Now, I took him out at completely different times of day, sometimes not at all. He wouldn't react if I went to the toilet or made a drink. He just knew, without fail, if I thought about taking him for a walk. The family agreed it was quite extraordinary, but didn't seem quite as stunned as, it, as, by it, as I was. I even tried to trick him once by thinking, I'm going to take the dog out but with no intention of doing so. But he didn't react then. I hope you find this extraordinary, or perhaps my granddad was right, who said I just carried myself differently when about to walk the dog, and the mm. dog sensed the difference. I don't know, that takes the wonder out of it, doesn't it? But mm -hmm. we now think he might be psychic. In the same period, playing football with my mates, someone was, it was someone's turn to go to the SO garage to get drinks and snacks, and one of the lads offered his debit card. This was terribly exciting. He said I would need his pin, and larking about, I said, don't worry, I'll guess it, and gave four random numbers. Whoa. He looked stunned. Martin, that is my pin. We went to the bank machine, where he put in the four digits, I said, and Julie showed us his no. bank balance. The odds that. of that are 9,000 to 1, so perhaps I am psychic. 9,000 to 1? I think it's more than that. Absolutely, it? absolutely it must be more than 9,000 to 1. Well, that's a beaut, an absolute beaut to uh, uh, finish on. So uh, thank you very much indeed, everybody. If you stay tuned, uh, then the uh, uh, new subjects will be read out by Peps. But uh, I, I, once again, and I, and I find myself having to apologise for the fiasco of the vinyl golden shot game, uh, which will have been heavily edited. It will have been heavily edited this time. I'll, I'll warn you that you may even hear a, a tape effect as we run through some of the more <laughs> spasmodic and longer sections of that. So, Dangerous sections of... <laughs> so play the theme tune if you would there, Phil. One, two, three, four. Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. In the tree. 
the fire's on, it's warm inside. We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away. In the treehouse. Take it away, Danny! My thanks, of course, to Louise Pepper on the other side of town, uh, Hannah, who played the Golden Shot game, Phil Walding, who's got the devil's own job of cobbling this one together, and everyone over there at Something Else for giving us this platform. But as always, chiefly yourselves. I'll see you Wednesday. Next time on The Treehouse, monsters and illnesses your parents made up, don't talk to me about fruit. Not being believed. Why buy a baby that? And your best and worst dreams, brackets, be succinct. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 